بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we spoke about Yazdajard, the deposed emperor of the Persian Empire, the former Kisra. And we spoke about how he desperately was trying to retake the kingdom that he had lost. Now the Persians, they were still loyal to him. So he was able to gather a huge army at Nahawand in modern day Iran to try once again to fight the Muslims and retake Persia. So Yazdajard, after forming this huge army at Nahawand, he appointed General Feyruzan to be the commander of this army. As for the Muslims, Umar ibn al-Khattab appointed the great Sahabi al-Nu'man ibn al-Muqarrin to lead the Muslim forces to fight against the Persians at Nahawand. And Umar radiallahu anhi also sent a supporting army from Al-Madinah under Al-Mughira ibn Shu'ba to support the army of Al-Nu'man ibn Al-Muqarrin. But still, even with all of this support, the Muslims were vastly outnumbered by the Persians. So there were about 30,000 soldiers in the Muslim army. And as for Yazdajard's army in Nahawand, there were about 150,000. So 30,000 to 150,000. So you can see that the Muslims were vastly outnumbered, but uh, that never bothered the Muslims before. They were outnumbered many times in the past, and by the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they were able to gain victory over their enemies. So when the Persians gathered in Nahawand, they made preparations before the Muslims arrived. They wanted to be ready for the Muslims. So they dug trenches. They dug these trenches to fortify themselves and to protect themselves from the Muslim army. So that when the fighting would occur, when anything would become difficult, they would be able to retreat behind their trenches. And as we have spoken about before, digging trenches was a Persian strategy of war. They used to use this a lot in their battles, digging trenches for protection. And as we mentioned in the Seerah, in the Battle of Khandaq, when the Muslims dug a trench, that was under the suggestion of a Persian companion of the Prophet Salman al-Farisi. He mentioned to the Prophet Ya Rasulullah, what we used to do in Persia to protect ourselves from invaders is we would dig these trenches. So the Prophet liked this idea, and the Sahaba, along with the Prophet they dug that trench. And when the kuffar of the Quraysh and their alliance came, the Quraysh and Ghatafan and the other tribes that had formed these Ahzab, this confederation, when they came and they saw that trench, they were surprised. They had never seen anything like this before. Because this was not something that was known amongst the Arabs. This was not an Arab war strategy. So it's the first time that they came across something like this during the Battle of Khandaq. But as for the Persians, they used to use this strategy all the time. So when the Muslims conquered Persia, all of these battles, 
you, you can always see that the Persians, to protect themselves, they would always be digging these trenches. And Nahawand was no exception to that. So the Persians again here at Nahawand, they dug these trenches to protect themselves from the Muslim army so that they could retreat behind the trenches when they needed protection. So eventually the Muslims, they arrived at Nahawand to confront this Persian army. And the fighting began. The fighting started on Wednesday. And it was extremely heavy fighting. It was very intense. It was actually even more intense than the fighting during the Battle of Qadisiyah. So this was the most intense fighting that the Muslims had had to date against the Persians. Very intense and heavy. Started on Wednesday, it continued into Thursday as well. And there were very heavy casualties on both sides. So the Muslim army, they, they suffered from a lot of losses. And also the Persian army, they suffered from a lot of losses. So heavy casualties on both sides on Wednesday and Thursday. Now on Friday, the Muslims decided that they needed a new strategy. They needed a strategy to lure the Persians away from the trench. The Muslims realized that the Persians are taking advantage of that trench. They're able to fortify themselves and protect themselves behind that trench. So we need to get them away from the trench so we can fight them in an efficient manner. So they decided to come up with a plan in order to get the Persians away from that trench. And they realized that if they could do that, if we are successful in luring the Persians away from the, the trench and they have to fight us without that protection, then we would be able to fight them and it would be easier for us to gain victory inshallah. So this is what they decided to do. They needed to formulate a strategy to get the Persians away from that trench. So the commander of the Muslim army, An-Nu'man ibn al-Muqarrin, he had a meeting with his generals to come up with a strategy to get the Persians to leave the trench. So they were able to come up with a plan and the strategy that they came up with was that one group from the Muslim army would go in the front lines right by the trench and they would initiate fighting with the Persians. And then after fighting for some time, this group of Muslims would act as if they had been defeated. They would make it look like, yes, we have been defeated and we are retreating. Then this is just a ploy. This is a trick. They would make it look like they had been defeated and they would start retreating. And the Persians would think that we have won. The Muslims are retreating. We have been victorious. And the Muslims would continue to retreat and the Persians would follow them. And the Muslims would continue to retreat further back and back and back until all of the Persian army is behind them. And in that way, they would get the Persians away from the trench and they would be able to lure the Persians in a position that would be easy for them to fight against them. So this was the Muslim strategy. Now, Al-Qa'qa ibn Amr al-Tamimi radiallahu anhu and we have spoken about him a lot in these last few weeks. A very brave warrior from the Sahaba of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Al-Qa'qa was appointed to carry out this plan. That Al-Qa'qa and his men were going to go and start that fight. 
in the front lines and lure the Persians away from the trench. So Al-Qa'qa' was given this responsibility. So he went with his group and he went towards the trench and he started fighting with the Persians, he and his men. They started fighting against the Persians. After fighting for some time, they made it look like they had been defeated and they were retreating. So they started to retreat, acting as if they had been defeated. When the Persians saw this, when the Persians saw Al-Qa'qa and his men retreating as if they had been defeated, they became very happy. The Persians said to themselves, this is the first time in all of these battles we have been having with these Muslims in these lands. This is the first time we are actually beating them. They became excited by this and they thought they were actually winning. So Al-Qa'qa and his men, they retreated and the Persians, they followed. And they left the protection of their trench. Qaqa and his men, they continued to go back and back and back until the whole Persian army was behind them. And they left the trench. And finally, Al-Qa'qa was able to lure them into an area where the rest of the Muslim army was waiting, waiting to ambush them. So the Muslims were prepared here. And Qaqa was successfully able to lure the Persians to this location. When the Persians reached this area, the Muslims who were waiting for them attacked and they ambushed them. So they launched a surprise attack against the Persian army. And Qaqa and his men who had acted like they were retreating, they joined, they rejoined the fighting as well. So now it's a full-on battle and the Persians don't have their trenches to protect them anymore. So the fighting was extremely intense. It was so intense, there was so much bloodshed that the ground became slippery with blood. Such to the extent that the horses started slipping on the blood. Can you imagine that? So much blood falling down that the floor becomes slippery and horses start slipping on the blood. This was the extent of the fighting. Now, one of the horses that slipped on the blood was the horse of the Muslim commander, Al-Nu'man ibn Al-Muqarrin So he fell off his horse and he died. He became a shaheed Now Al-Nu'man ibn Al-Muqarrin, he had given instructions before this, he had given instructions that if anything happens to him, if he dies on the battlefield, then Hudayfa ibn Al-Yaman should take charge and he should become the commander. So when Al-Nu'man ibn Al-Muqarrin, when he fell, his brother Naim ibn Al-Muqarrin, who was also part of that army, his brother took the flag from him. And Al-Nu'man ibn Al-Muqarrin, he died. But his brother was able to take the flag, so the flag never fell down. His brother took the flag and he gave it to Hudayfa ibn Al-Yaman, because Hudayfa was the one who was to be appointed to be in charge of this army in case Al-Nu'man was to die. And now that Al-Nu'man had died, Hudayfa took the flag and he became the commander of the Muslim army. And the fighting continued. The, the fighting continued for some time until finally, Alhamdulillah, the Muslims gained the upper hand and they were once again victorious against the Persians. So they were able to add, Alhamdulillah, another victory against the Persians. So they have so many victories now against the Persians at different cities, at different sites. So this was a great victory for the Muslims, but it was a very hard-fought victory. 
and the Muslims also suffered a lot of casualties but alhamdulillah in the end they were victorious now the commander of the Persian forces Feruzan the general of the Persians that Yazdijard had appointed to lead this army Feruzan he fled Nahawan when he saw that his army was defeated and he saw that the Muslims had once again become victorious Feruzan fled and he tried to escape to the city of Hamadan so the city of Hamadan, it is about a hundred kilometers north of Nahawan. So Feruzan, he tried to escape to Hamadan and take refuge over there. But the Muslims decided that they had to follow him. We have to follow Feruzan. We cannot allow Feruzan to escape. We must capture him and we must kill him. Because the Muslims knew that if Feruzan survives, then again, he would try to regroup and he would try to reform an army and he would again make an attempt to fight against the Muslims. This has been going on for some time. The Persians get defeated, then they have time to regroup and reorganize, they form another army and they fight the Muslims again. They're defeated again, they get some more time to reorganize, they form another army, they fight the Muslims again. So this had been going on and on and on. That every time the Muslims have a victory, the Persians are defeated, after some time, they regroup and they attack the Muslims again. So this time the Muslims knew that if, if we allow Feruzan to escape, if he reaches Hamadan and he takes refuge in Hamadan, then it's only a matter of time before he reorganizes the army again and they attack us again in another city. So they knew that the only way to prevent this was to capture and kill Feruzan. So the person who took up this mission to chase Feruzan. Feruzan, he, he fled the battlefield towards Hamadan, fled north. So Qa'a ibn Amr radiallahu he decided to personally follow Feruzan, to chase him. So think about it as a, a high-speed chase on horseback. So Feruzan is, is trying to escape on his horse going north and Qa'a is behind him, trying to catch up with him and chase him. Now Qa'a of course knew that if Feruzan reaches the city of Hamadan, if he's able to reach the city of Hamadan, then he would be able to get protection in that city. That city has fortresses, it has castles, he would be able to fortify himself over there. So Qa'a knew that I have to catch him before he enters the city. Once he enters the city, it will become very difficult. So I need to catch up with him before he enters the city. So Alhamdulillah, Qa'a was able to catch up with Feruzan right before he entered the city, just on the outskirts of the city. He had almost reached Hamadan when Qa'a was able to catch up with him. So once he caught up with him, they fought. And Alhamdulillah, Qa'a got the upper hand and he killed Feruzan. And by killing Feruzan, he killed any chance of a resurgence of the Persian army. That's it. Now the Persian army has no chance to reorganize. Now that Feruzan is dead. As for Yazdajard, the deposed Kisra, he was able to escape again. This guy is able to escape all the time. He was able to escape once again. And again, he went from city to city and he tried to reorganize an army, but he was never able to form an army again. The army at Nahawand was effectively the last Persian army that stood against the Muslims. 
Yes, yes, Dajjar was able to escape and he tried to formulate an army again, but he was never successful in formulating an army again. So that was the end. And that really effectively spelled the end of the Persian Empire and the end of the Persian army. So now, yeah, yes, Dajjar the Kisra is still alive, but he has no one on his side. He has no army and he has no power anymore. So that is why the Muslim victory at Nahawand it is known as Fath al-Futuh. It is known as the victory of victories. It is known as the victory of victories because with this victory, the Persian army was finally finished. Right? When the Muslims were victorious at Qadisiyah, it was a great victory, but the Persian army was still there and they were able to regroup. Then the Muslims had to fight them again at Jalula and they fought them again in different cities and they fought them again at Nahawan. So, Every time the Muslims gained a victory, the Persian army after a period of time was able to regroup. But after Nahawan, that was the end of the Persian army. They were annihilated and they were never able to reorganize after that. So Nahawan was the end of the Persian army. That is why it is known as Fath al-Futur, the victory of victories. So basically it was, it sealed the fate of the Persian army. That was the end of the Persian army. So it was one of the greatest victories of the Muslims in Persian lands. The victory at Nahawan. Now, once again, the Muslims were able to gather huge, huge spoils of war at Nahawan. And you notice that every time the Muslims conquer a Persian city, it comes with huge spoils of war. Especially the cities where the Kisra would go, where Yazdajard would go. Yazdajard, wherever he would go, he would take as much wealth as he could. And then when he had to flee those cities, he would leave behind that wealth. So wherever Yazdajard goes, you know that there's going to be a huge amount of wealth there. There's going to be huge spoils of war from those cities. So when the Muslims took Nahawan, there were huge, huge spoils of war. So Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman, who is now the commander of the army, he distributed four-fifths of the spoils of war to the soldiers and he sent one-fifth back to Umar, which is the rule. That khumus, one-fifth, it goes back to the Baytul Mal and as for four-fifths, it is distributed amongst the soldiers who participated in the battle. That is the rule of the distribution of the spoils of war. So Hudayfa, he distributed four-fifths of the spoils to the soldiers and he sent one-fifth back to Umar ibn al-Khattab with As-Sa'ib ibn al-Aqra. As-Sa'ib ibn, ibn al-Aqra, he was the one who was put in charge of the spoils of war. So when Hudayfa was sending back that one-fifth to Medina, he sent it with As-Sa'ib ibn al-Aqra. Now, from the spoils of war at Nahawand, from amongst the spoils of war at Nahawand, there were two huge containers two huge containers that were filled with precious jewels. Rubies and sapphires and emeralds and all sorts of precious stones. Two huge containers. So Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman, he did not distribute these two containers. He did not divide it four-fifths for the soldiers and one-fifth back to Medina. No. He kept these two containers separate from the distribution. And when he sent the one-fifth of the spoils of war to Medina, he sent these two containers completely along with that. 
So he didn't distribute anything from these containers. He sent them in their entirety back to Umar ibn Khattab to decide whatever he wants to do with them. So that was excluded from the distribution. Rather, it was sent completely back to Al-Madinah. So when As-Sa'ib ibn Al-Aqra reached Medina, he reached with one-fifth of the spoils of war, plus in addition to that, these two huge containers of jewels. So when he reached Medina, Umar radiallahu anhu, he was anxiously waiting because he wanted to know the news. What happened at Nahawan? Still doesn't have any news. Did the Muslims win? What happened? So when he sees As-Sa'ib ibn, ibn Al-Aqra coming to Medina, he asks him, Ma wara'ak? What have you left behind? What was the result of the battle at Nahawand? That's the first question he asks him. And As-Sa'ib ibn, ibn al-Aqra, he replies, Khayran ya Amir al-Mineen. I have good news, ya Amir al-Mineen. Fatah Allahu alayka wa a'zam al-fatah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted you a victory, ya Amir al-Mineen, and it is a great victory. A great victory. So As-Sa'ib, he gave Umar radiallahu an glad tidings of this great victory. And Umar radiallahu an, upon hearing this news, he fell down into sujood. He thanked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he made sujood al-shukr. Then afterwards, As-Sa'ib told him the details of the battle, how everything went down. And he informed him that the commander, An-Nu'man ibn al-Muqarrin, he died in that battle. So when Umar heard this, it made him very sad because An-Nu'man ibn al-Muqarrin, he's a great companion of the Prophet And Umar radiallahu understood the status of this man and the value of this man. So when he heard that An-Nu'man had died, he cried profusely. He cried a lot and he cried loudly. And he said, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. And he wept at this great loss for the Ummah, the loss of An-Nu'man ibn al-Muqarrin radiallahu anhu arda. As for the spoils of war and those two containers of jewels, Umar radiallahu an ordered that they should be placed in the Baytul Mal. They should be placed in the treasury. And then he sent As-Sa'ib ibn al-Aqra back to Persia. He said, okay, you have delivered the news and you have delivered the spoils of war. Now go back. Go back to Persia. So As-Sa'ib left Medina. He just stayed for a very short time and he did his duty and he headed back towards Persia. So he headed towards Kufa. So he's on his way to Kufa in the night. And that night Umar radiallahu slept. He slept. And when he woke up in the morning, when he woke up in the morning, he immediately sent one of his men to go and follow As-Sa'ib ibn, ibn al-Aqra. Go and follow him. He's on his way to Kufa. Go catch up with him and bring him back to Medina immediately. So he woke up in the morning and this was the first thing he did. Go and catch up with As-Sa'ib, bring him back to Medina. So the man went after As-Sa'ib. He went towards Kufa, trying to catch up with As-Sa'ib ibn al-Aqra, but he was not able to catch up with him. As-Sa'ib is very, very fast. So he tried, he tried, he kept going, didn't take any rest, but he was not able to catch up with As-Sa'ib ibn al-Aqra until he reached Kufa. So he followed him all the way to Kufa, from Medina to Kufa. When he finally caught up with him in Kufa, he met with As-Sa'ib and he said to him, "At'abtani rahimakallah. You really put me in a difficult situation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy upon you. I've been chasing you all the way from Medina. And then he asked him, tariq You don't take any rest on the way? You just go all the way without resting? 
And, and Sa'ib asks him, what happened? What is this all about? And then he tells him, Amirul Mu'mineen Umar bin Khattab, he ordered me to catch up with you and bring you back to Medina. So Asaib, upon hearing this, immediately he goes back to Medina. Look, look at this. Sam'a wa ta'a. We hear and we obey. That he came all the way to Medina, delivered the spoils of war. Umar sends him back. He goes back. Now Umar is saying, come back. He comes back. This is not an easy journey. Medina to Kufa. Kufa back to Medina. You know, without any period of rest, just immediately going back and forth, back and forth. But because this is the command of Amirul Mu'mineen, we hear and we obey. So when he heard that, uh, that Umar wants him back in Medina, he immediately headed back towards Al Medina. So he comes back and he reaches Al Medina. And when Umar sees him again in Medina, he says to him, Mali walis sa'ib. Like, Ya sa'ib, you have put me in a difficult situation. What trouble have you brought to me, Ya Sa'ib? And As Sa'ib, he says, Ya Amirul Mu'mineen, what do you mean? When I came, I didn't bring anything bad. I just brought you back the one-fifth of the spoils of war. And then Umar said, That night that you left, when I slept, I had a dream. And I saw in that dream that the angels were taking me to those two containers. Those two containers of jewels that you left here. The angels were taking me to those two containers and those two containers of jewels were on fire. They were on fire. And I was being warned by the angels that these jewels must be distributed. These jewels must be distributed. So then Umar asked as Sa'ib, why did you bring these two containers here? Why didn't you just include it in the distribution like everything else? You should have distributed four-fifths to the army and brought one-fifth back here. Why were these two containers kept separate and brought here in their entirety? What is, to, what is so special about these containers that you did not include them in the general distribution? So then he ordered As-Sa'ib, again, go back to Kufa. Go back to Kufa with the two containers and sell these jewels in the market of Kufa. Sell them. And the money that you get from that, distribute four-fifths of that money to the army and then send one-fifth of it back here. So As-Sa'ib ibn al-Aqra, again, he leaves Medina with the two containers. He goes to Kufa. He takes the jewels to the souq, to the market of Kufa, and he sells them. And with all that money, and it's a huge amount of money, huge amount of money, four-fifths of that, he distributes to the army that participated in the battle, and he sends one-fifth back to Al-Medina for the Baytul Mal, for the treasury. So look at the caution and the taqwa of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. And also look at the obedience of his subjects. We hear and we obey. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with Umar and be pleased with As-Sa'ib and be pleased with all of the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Inshallah we'll stop here for today and we'll continue next week with Allah. Barakallahu feekum. Wallahu alam sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.